Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host Bestie. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> How you doing over there? I'm good. You Way were... over here. Yeah, I know. She's like two feet from me. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at our little pub table mm-hmm. that is in the pod lab. Yeah. My son's former bedroom. Yeah. So there's no room for him at the inn. Nice room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a nice room. Mm-hmm. And today we have an interesting topic. Yeah. Our topic of the day. If you're brand new to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast, let me just give you an update. This is what we do here. We take a topic every week and we do our best to curate the internet mm-hmm. for great information. Yeah. And our, our experiences too. You know, like we, we, of course, pepper in our own experiences. Right. So we bring a topic that's been researched and we bring it to the table and then we do our best to present it to you in an entertaining fashion. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the hope because that's the funny part. And then we follow all of that with some inspiration. So stay tuned all the way to the end where you get that little nudge of, oh, we give you a call to action and we also give you some scripture. Mm-hmm. So hang in there. All right. Well, our takeaways, we always try to lead with our three takeaways, and we really had to narrow it down today. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was fun. Getting, we get, should have the, the, we should be recording when we're doing that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be good. Because, yeah, we were, we were um, editing. We were editing, and mm-hmm. that's, it's a challenging process. Mm-hmm. So these are the three takeaways that we think you're going to get out of this episode. So if you're haven't tuned out yet, (laughs) stay with us. Today on the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast, you're going to learn how to have less stress, more energy, and how you can have more time and money to do what really matters Mm -hmm. by taking some action with this whole idea around minimalism. Exactly. Being a minimalist. Mm -hmm. That's that's our goal. All right. All right. Well, let's roll. It's exciting. Mm Woohoo. Who's our sponsor? Oh, I forgot. Muffin and Pooh, but we yeah. call them Puffin. Uh, right. That's why I make it sound singular. <laughs> Puffin. Right. right. Our sponsor. Like one. <laughs> it's our husbands, and my husband is Ron, and I call him Muffin, and Catherine's husband is Kenny. She calls him Pooh, mm-hmm. and so that's how we get Puffin. Yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> They're our sponsor. Why do we laugh every time? I, I don't, don't know. know. It's a little I, embarrassing. Maybe. It is. Yeah. I think it's a little cringy, a little embarrassing. It's a little funny. Yes. We acknowledge that. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. We can't change it now. Yeah. It's been we too gotta many years. We got to keep them sponsoring us. So we got to give them a shout out. That's right. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. Keep going to work. <laughs> Don't retire. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every day they wake up and they go, can I retire today? No. Yeah. Podcast needs you. Yeah. We have listeners. They're tuning in. They need to know about minimalism. Get out there and work. Right. <laughs> don't say that too loud, Ron, sitting in the other room. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all good. Yours is the one that's going in the red there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, let's dive in, Catherine. Oh, yeah. Where to start? Right. So, you know, I came across this minimalist author because our last podcast was on fads and how to avoid them. Right. So then you pulled up this article and then I started looking into this and I I just was on fire. And I think the fact that we downsized twice recently in the past four years 
And so I began doing it, but yet I still, now our house is itty bitty now. We went from a really big house to a small one. And now I just feel all, all of inspired mm-hmm. to rather than complain about how I don't have enough storage and places to put our stuff, mm-hmm. I want to go the opposite way and <laughs> try to get rid of more stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that we would start with surprising statistics that reveal how much stuff we actually own. You know, before you go to that, Mm -hmm. I do want to also mention, so Catherine and I are both in our 50s, and oftentimes when you reach that age is the time when your parents perhaps are also downsizing or they pass away, and you have to deal with their stuff too. I was going to mention that, yeah. It happens. Now, of course, in my case, my mom passed away like 30 years ago, so Mm -hmm. my dad had her stuff, you know, but then my sister and I and our brother, you know, when dad passed away two years ago, we had to go through his stuff, you know, so stuff is, we all have to deal with it. We do have to deal with it, you know, and all my life uh, growing up, my mom uh, really clung to stuff. Yeah. And she was really, so she was from England. And then when she came over here uh, to America, her parents had passed away. And then her brother, according to her, just took care of everything and meaning he destroyed it. Well, she was crushed Mm. and uh, she only got a a few things. And so um, her possessions and Plus, she grew up very poor after mm-hmm. World War II. So um, just all my life, she would say things. Now, don't ever give this away. or don't. And she would tell me stories of... It makes know. a big difference. It does all my life. Relationship yeah. with your stuff. It does. Right. Yeah. And like you said, then um, my dad passed away. And they had two houses, three garages, two sheds, mm. and... 50 60 years of stuff mm-hmm. my brother and sister didn't really want to have anything to do with it and i think i was a little bit like oh my goodness well we can't just we can't just leave all of it right you know i mean i did leave a lot but it was hard it is hard so and now here i have stuff yeah and i'm sure that our listening audience can relate to that at some level and if not yet then it's coming so you know, hopefully you'll glean some good info from I, us here. I really hope so, because right. it's a big struggle. I mean, we have TV shows like Hoarders. I know. So we know there's a problem. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, so we'll start with the statistics, like I said, surprising yeah. statistics. And the first one says there are 300,000 items in the average American home. That's a lot of items. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Beyond, you know, and obviously most of those things are things we don't need. Right. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years. Hmm. And still, one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage, the fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. That's amazing to me. And I have heard this through um, my cousin, actually. she's She has a storage rental unit. And she said that if they had just gotten rid of all the stuff, they would have been able to buy new stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they're renting a storage thing to store old stuff that just keeps getting older and yeah. nobody's doing anything with it. Yeah. They could have gotten rid of it. And mm-hmm. then when they wanted it, get new stuff. Yeah. On the flip side, I know of somebody couple decades ago that Mm -hmm. said that they were going to get 
uh, in the business of owning storage units because it was booming. There's a lot of money to be made. In yeah. fact, my brother-in-law was looking into that too. My brother-in-law, Todd. Yeah, well, there and, you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So considering that, you know, people not only have off-site storage, also adds that while 25% of people with a two-car with two car garages <laughs> don't have room to park cars inside them and 32 oh. percent only have room for one vehicle that yeah i can see that yeah the united states has upward of fifty thousand storage facilities more than five times the number of starbucks wow currently there is a 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man woman and child in the nation you know, Can part, you part of the problem, I think, with storage stuff is if, if you're listening and you have stuff in storage, it's probably not easy for you to imagine what's even in there anymore. Mm-hmm. Out of sight, out of mind. It, yep. Unless you've kept a really good log or you only have like a, like a big car in there or something. It's hard to remember. What do I have over there? Exactly. Which kind of goes back to if you have to keep a log, then that's your time. That's your energy. So true. That's, yeah. So he, it also adds here that it is physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage roofing. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, when I first read that there are 50,000 storage facilities, mm-hmm. I kind of was like, well, that's not that much. But then I was like, well, wait, there's 50 states. And so that, that actually is a lot. Well, when- I think that you can just think about it in the terms of your own stuff. You know, yeah, like in your neighbor's stuff mm-hmm. and the car thing is something that people can relate to. Like you can't even get your car in there. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking when we used to have a camper trailer, yeah. I had stuff specifically for that so that I wouldn't have to, every time we went camping, right. take our stuff from our house and put it in there because that was inconvenient. Yeah. It was better. Anyway, lots of stuff. Um, British research found that the average 10-year-old owns 238 toys, but plays with just 12. Yeah. You know... It's not surprising. Uh, thank, thank you, Lord, that we're out of the toy mm-hmm. uh, phase of life, having had five boys. That was a lot of toys, a lot of Legos. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a bin of toys that would be on top of the refrigerator. That, really? Well, yes. And it was... I used to... I owned a business when I was a young mom. And so those would be the toys that my little ones could play with only when I'm on the phone. Like they were special. Mm -hmm. They were phone toys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, I tried to do it that way, you know, as much as I could. But then there was also somebody in my life that said you should rotate your toys out. I did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, so, so that could be something that if moms are listening and they have a whole bunch of toys, I mean, of course... You know, the idea is to minimize. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that. Minimalize. Yeah, I was just thinking that. But but these are good tips, you know, for um, rotating. Yeah. We can only handle so much as human beings. So obviously kids are overwhelmed with 238 toys. There's too many. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> 33.1% of the world's children live in America but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. Yeah. An eye-opener. Yeah, we've both, uh, Catherine and I have both been on mission trips to Haiti. And when I was there, it was in the 80s. So that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But the children played with like rocks and a hoop or something like that all day long. Yeah. They didn't have all the other. 
ancestors yeah. did that. Yeah. The average American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. Wow. Mm-hmm. It says back in 1930, that figure was nine. Hmm. What a big difference. Yeah, and they dressed a little bit more snappy in the 30s, really. Mm. You know, like the pictures that you see anyway. Yeah. Even of my, like our own family pictures. Mm-hmm. Of course, they all look sad and depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Great Depression. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the average American family spends 1700 on clothes annually. Hmm. I, I hate to say this. I kind of thought it was going to be more than that. Yeah, because clothes are not cheap. Exactly. Right. While the average American throws away 65 pounds of clothing per year. You know, you spoke about Haiti. Mm-hmm. And um, when we were there, uh, we had, we learned about people that were getting, Haitians that were getting clothes from the goodwill that nobody bought. Mm-hmm. And it did come and they measured it in pounds. And it was a lot. It was a real lot. Yeah. Yeah. Nearly half of American households don't save any money. That's a challenge. That's a challenge Mm because we got to have a savings. Right. We really do. Yeah. And when we're spending it on stuff that Mm -hmm. prohibits that. Mm -hmm. But our homes have more television sets than people. And those television sets are turned on for more than a third of the day. Eight hours and 14 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to skip down. 16. So Americans spend more on shoes, jewelry, and watches than on higher education. Mm. That's sad. That's eye-opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Americans spend $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods. In other words, they do not need them. And 8 billion home organization industry has more than doubled in size since the early 2000s growing at a staggering rate of 10% each year. So $8 billion. <sighs> That's a lot of dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> billion you, with a B. <laughs> yes, That's billion a lot of money. with a B. <laughs> you know, our friend Emily Smith, who yes. is a home organizer, when I first learned of her occupation, which was through you, actually, yeah. I thought, oh, how do you, you know, make money, doing, you make that? money doing that? I had no idea. Yeah. That, yeah needed help now well that's an obvious um diagnosis there we have an issue Mm -hmm. we sure do it kind of brings on a little bit of a stress just thinking about all of it Mm -hmm. because i think that like the one statistic about the toys i think that we can all relate to that when we're when we have way too much of anything Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming yeah and so that should be a clue to us that hey Maybe we need to pare down a little bit so that we're not so overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, when you think about how it it, it may or may not drive a parent uh, crazy when the toys are all over the place, yeah. you know, you're stepping on it or you're kicking it or you're tripping on it or you've hurt yourself from a Lego that you stepped on. Imagine how overwhelming it is for the child. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Just, you know, getting them to clean it up and all. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. So we're going to link this article in the show notes, the Uh 21 surprising statistics about how much stuff we actually own. Uh And maybe it'll be an eye opener for you. Yeah. All right. What's next? Well, so why should we minimize? And um, I have this quote here from Randy Alcorn. 
And he has said every increased possession adds increased worry into our lives. Well, I think that every single thing that you own, you have to do something with it. You have to put it somewhere. You might have to insure it. You might have to maintain it. Organize it. Yeah. Clean it. Every single thing. Yes. Yeah. And we feel the weight of that burden of the clutter. And whether you can see it or not, just knowing that it's there, uh, it weighs us down more than we think. Yeah. And but by the way, I do want to mention the name of the guy who was from the um, article that we just referenced. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is Joshua Becker. Mm -hmm. He's a former pastor. And now he's turned his ministry really into helping people with this issue because it's a huge issue. Yeah. So he has a full website and he it's becoming minimalist.com and a blog and he has books that he's written and such. So you can check him out. Yeah. Okay. He speaks all over the place. So. All right. So what what else can we share with our listeners about this topic, Catherine? About why we should minimize? Yes. Well, why should we do it? Well, as I said earlier, it's just less stress. Yeah. It frees us up to, um, you know, pursue other things that are more important. Mm-hmm. And we leave a less of a carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, in one of these articles, it said, our earth produces enough resources to meet all of our needs, but it does not produce enough resources to provide all of our wants. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably a part of the big problem is that we have that inner desire. We have that inner craving. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the craving is shaped just like God. You know, I've heard it termed that way. Like Mm -hmm. you have an inner craving that's shaped just like God. It's like a God-shaped void. Mm -hmm. And people strive for to fill that void with other things. Yeah, I know I do it. Or relationships Mm -hmm. or self-image or stuff. And it's impossible to do. So that that um, that hunger Mm -hmm. can only be satisfied by by the the pure thing which is god yeah so yeah mm. exactly right Mm -hmm. yeah and you know we have um it also takes a pressure off to impress when you minimize and and when you really have your focus on minimizing and being grateful for what you have it helps us take the focus off of maybe you know um trying to impress others or or you know not filling that void yeah. I think mm-hmm. about the bumper sticker I've seen in the past on vehicles that are, you know, not that great. Mm-hmm. It says something like, at least it's paid for, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I can relate to that because I've driven, we've talked about this on this podcast before, some of the vehicles that I've driven over the years mm-hmm. that have been, you know, sometimes they go forward and sometimes they don't mm-hmm. and sometimes they lose reverse and mm-hmm. you got to be creative. Yeah. but you know it's paid for yeah so, yay hey little side note this yeah is funny so i'm on fire for this right and i I've see got, yes yeah i've got my mindset i'm i'm not only decluttering and uncluttering mm-hmm. but i am committed to not accumulating again mm-hmm. you know i, I don't want to go back i want to be grateful for mm-hmm. what i have and so last night i went to one of our favorite consignment stores evelina's mm-hmm. red dresser and our friend jan um when i greeted her you know we had some small talk and i uh she asked me what's up and i said oh i'm Mm -hmm. I'm minimizing (laughs) and so she goes immediately she goes oh i went through that phase too (laughs) (laughs) we just 
laughed, laughed yeah. like oh, we just laughed and i said you know i made a joke i'm like oh thanks jan i'm gonna go back you know and, and yeah. we we just laughed about that because true story i went in there and you have to go through the store before you get to the back where you bring your stuff to consign and yeah. i was like gobsmacked i'm like oh <laughs> what do they have you know because there's i'm so distracted by all the goodies yeah. in the store yeah mm-hmm yeah so well that's funny. okay so and what that shows you is that it's human nature yeah so we just have to be mindful and prayerful about the whole topic of minimalism because you don't want to let minimalism become your Obsession. god exactly you know, your idol exactly like, look at me i'm so proud of myself that i have right. minimized i have nothing you right know, whatever yeah all things in good balance yeah really mm-hmm yeah. I had to good. tell myself that. So while they were looking through my stuff, yeah. I was looking through their stuff at the store. And there were some things I was really tempted to yeah. get. And I yeah. just kept thinking, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this is truly and truly, I want to be more generous. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I said that to myself when we downsized the first time. Mm-hmm. And I feel I could be more generous because I won't be... Spending. spending as much right. even though you know most of my spending is at thrift stores and goodwill we love goodwill i'll still love it i know i will but if i do go to those places i want to be more intentional about what i'm actually gonna get mm-hmm. and if i need it and also then get rid of something else mm-hmm. you know if i do pick something else up very good yeah replace okay. it <clears throat> so those are some good reasons to minimize okay and i don't know if i mentioned less debt that well you you decide that you your goal is to be more generous well when you have less debt you're able to do that yeah and dave ramsey is a christian financial kind of budgeting guy you can check out his resources just google him Mm -hmm. and he's all over the place and that's kind of like his whole baby steps Mm -hmm. you know financially is to get you to the place where you can give more and be free of debt debt is a killer that's all over scripture oh yeah it's a killer yeah okay so what do we have to do before we declutter let's get to that all right this author she has written five things to do before five steps to take prior to decluttering your home Mm -hmm. she says to set realistic expectations and so don't do things that are unattainable or anything that's going to overwhelm you Mm -hmm. and the second initiate a spending freeze Hmm. and which i had to remind myself that yesterday when i went into evelina's to to consign my stuff to get rid of my stuff yeah i had to know have that mindset yeah well that's a good idea is just to do it for a period of time so that you can really see where you are yeah yeah well good idea yeah and uh choose a donation location that aligns with your heart Mm -hmm. so uh for example like at evelina's they are you know they have a mission all right mm -hmm, pointing others to god and although it's not a nonprofit, it definitely uh, helps recycle and no yeah so whether you take it to a consignment store for sale or if you take it to a donation um store for donation Mm -hmm. find a place in your local area that you like Mm -hmm. and get it there yeah adopt a minimalist mindset Hmm. she says here what 
We can approach decluttering our homes one of two ways, as a short-term fix or a lifelong behavior change, which that's, that's what I want to do. You can either use it as a means to reorganize your stuff, or you can let it lead to a permanent change in your relationship with material possessions. Yeah, and I would say as evidenced by your conversation with our friend Jan, <laughs> I would say that this kind of mindset is one that you're going to have to keep renewing as you go through the different phases in life. Yeah, yeah. It's just part of being human. So, you know, right? off we go, being human. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to mention what she says here in bold letters. A minimalist mindset involves becoming a more conscious consumer, emphasizing quality over quantity and experiences over things. Mm-hmm. So same thing. Find a decluttering comrade. So you're my comrade. Okay. You can do Yay. this with me. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is easier when you have a friend. Yeah, to do it with. It is. And fun. Yeah. It's more fun. It is. And if you can't do that, there are support groups. Mm-hmm. Like when you had a support group with my the silver, silver hair. hair. Yes, I did. Yes, exactly. Silver sisters. Mm-hmm. So those are the five things to do before you start decluttering. All right. Well, that sounds like a good list. What else do you have over there? Is that it? Yeah, that's okay. it. All right. So we've talked about how becoming a minimalist can like lower your stress because you have less things to overwhelm you. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, it gives you more energy. Yes. So that you can focus on the things that you really, you know, that really matter to you. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to share with you a scripture verse that's going to encourage you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 22. And it's the, the title above this little portion of scripture says, The Rich and the kingdom of God. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Mm-hmm. Now, this this portion of scripture, so obviously it's Jesus mm-hmm. and he's speaking to this man who ha- who's wealthy. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of things. Yeah. And Jesus is basically, he knows that. Because Jesus knows right. everything. exactly. So that wealth is representative of what is standing in the way between this man and God. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't have wealth. Right. It doesn't mean you can't have possessions. Exactly. It, it's They're not inherently evil. It's if your wealth and if your possessions and if your stuff is standing between you and your relationship with God or what you want to do. Yeah. For God, because you have the heart to be more generous mm-hmm. and to give to things that I'm sure that, that God is calling you to give to yeah yep yeah don't let your stuff be your god that's right because it because it will disappoint you every single time it will feel meaningless yeah it is a chasing after the wind as Mm -hmm. is pointed out in ecclesiastes (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right well let's give a call to action yeah before we wrap and let everybody go here we um, labored over this as well in yeah. terms of what do we do. Okay, so we decided we closed on pick one thing that is doable for you. Yeah. 
one thing. Mm-hmm. So, so just think in your mind, what is an area or a space that is overwhelming or overcrowded or whatever? And if you have the time to devote, you know, more time to it, maybe it's a larger project. If you don't have time for that, maybe it's a smaller project. Just pick one thing to do that's doable for you right now. Mm-hmm. And Catherine um, was saying, you know, maybe even something that's under five to 10 minutes. We had talked before the broadcast that this Joshua Becker recommends that. Yeah. To choose a task that's under 10 minutes. Try it. Mm-hmm. You know, set a timer. Give yourself 10 minutes and see what you can get done in that period of time mm-hmm. um, to minimize whatever, maybe your car, the interior of your car mm-hmm. or your coffee station. Yeah. You know, that's something a good idea. like that. Yeah. Just don't start with your boxes and boxes of old photographs. No, you'll... that's going to be way too overwhelming. <laughs> and we'll get to that. Ten well, years. Yeah, we'll get to that maybe in another podcast. Yeah. Well, this has been a great topic. And in fact, it's so great that we decided to do a part two. So stay tuned for next week where we're going to do part two mm-hmm. on minimalism. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we're all going to be, um, you know, a little less which is more yeah i gotta say so another thing that's, that just came to mind it was what so is funny it? is that i when i was on fire with this i was talking to Pooh and i was telling him well you know we got to do this and starting with your stuff you know <laughs> i didn't really say that right but i we had high hopes that he would be on board and i'm gabbing and gabbing and he says you know since it's about minimalism maybe you could keep it to a, a, a minimum of talking <laughs> of talking about less it talking yeah That's funny. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. I'm still Catherine. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.